Chris Young Cancer Survivorship Week with me, Helen King, and guests. Subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome back to the C Word Radio. Joining me today from Oregon in the USA is Michaela Gibson. Michaela was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in May of 2021. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about that experience, but also how her cancer diagnosis influenced her to change what she was studying. Thanks so much for joining me, Michaela. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure. And we may get the odd interruption or appearance from Dolly the cat, which I am all for. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's she's very enthusiastic about the technology. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's not a podcast unless a dog or a cat interrupts the recording. So I'm good with this. <laughs> yes, perfect. It's worked out perfectly then. <laughs> <laughs> So I know that from our previous conversations that you were diagnosed in May of 2021. And I can imagine after going through the pandemic and then you get hit with this news, I mean, that's a lot to take in. So take us back to when you were diagnosed, like what was going on that led you to to get checked out? Well, I was finishing up a degree in music therapy. I was a student at the University of Kansas, so far away from home and I noticed like some odd symptoms start I'd say even as far back as like late 2019 like I noticed like a like weird twinge under my armpit and I was like "Mm, well I wonder if I'm just like over straining my arm because like you play a lot of guitar and music therapy so I was like "Mm, maybe I'm like over straining my arm for that and just notice other things like a weird lump that like slowly started to develop on my chest and I guess like with the pandemic and with everyone saying, you know, stay home, it's not safe to go out anywhere, like hospitals are being overrun. I thought, well, you know, right now, like mid 2020, like everything's so mild. I I really shouldn't go just to get anything checked out. Like I'm fine. There's other people who need, you know, to be seen by medical professionals more than I do. So I kind of just let all these mild symptoms kind of get more and more and then the end of 2020 came around and the last step in most music therapy programs is to complete an internship and usually your internship it's unpaid it has to be six months eight months long mine was eight months long and I happened to get one that was in Boston Massachusetts which is out near where some of my family lives so my aunt my grandparents they all live out in that area So I went over to Boston for the internship and just symptoms started getting more and more and more. Like I had a lot more lumps developing like my chest area under my arm. And at some point I didn't find out this until I went to the emergency room later, but I found out that my lymph nodes under my left armpit had gotten blocked. So drainage was blocked and my left arm kind of started like swelling up real big. And it was like, kind of twice the size of what it should be. So looked looked a little funky, kind of having like one arm all puffed up and then the other arm kind of like a normal looking size for me. And then I had a lot of unintentional weight loss too. I lost probably like 15, 20 pounds, maybe even more. I'm not really sure, but unintentional weight loss over a really short amount of time. And I didn't change anything about my lifestyle or anything. It was all I was like eating the same 
wasn't like doing any exercise or anything. So, I mean, at first I was like kind of happy about losing weight because that's always something that I, you know, always in the back of my mind, like, oh, it'd be fine if I lost like five to 10 pounds. So like when it happened, I was like, oh, but then when it got to the point where friends and family started commenting on it, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe not that great then. <laughs> and then the most irritating symptom of all would probably have been the night sweats. Those started about two to three months before I actually went to the hospital to get checked out. And they were like drenching night sweats, like I would wake up in the middle of the night and my bed sheets would be soaked and I'd have to either change my bed sheets or just like sleep on top of my comforter so that I wouldn't have to like be on the sweaty sheets. And like that really disrupted my sleep too. So I'm a very deep sleeper. Nothing wakes me up. So if something like night sweats is waking me up, like that's when you know there's a really big problem. And of course, all this lack of sleep was really affecting my performance in my internship. Like, I would be nodding off at meetings. You'd see me on the little Zoom call going, uh, like eyelids just getting really heavy. And that impacted my internship performance. And between that and also coming to the realization that maybe music therapy wasn't for me, then I got let go slash fired from my internship in the beginning of May of 2021. So that was right at the halfway point after like my mid internship evaluation. They were like, yeah, I mean, something's clearly going on with you. We can't take a gamble on you anymore. Like, you're not interested in music therapy, so, like, bye. And that was devastating, even though I knew at that point I really didn't want to do music therapy anymore. And so it was through that, like, of course, you know, I called my parents and I was like, they fired me from the internship. And they came and helped me pack up all my stuff. And I also went back to my college campus briefly because you know at that point I thought I was going to be like graduating at the end of the internship so like I was supposed to take part in the commencement ceremony and so like I saw friends and stuff there and I went to like a picnic for our music therapy department so like I saw people like after four to five months of not seeing me and people were concerned about me. They didn't say it to my face because like you don't really want to tell someone to their face like oh you don't you don't look good after you see them for like months and months and months. You don't want to like seem too concerned. So people did bring it up to the head of our music therapy department. And they're like, yeah, Michaela's not looking so good. And then I did have one friend reach out to me and be like, you've, you've lost a lot of weight. Is everything okay? At the time, like I was hiding all of the physical stuff that was happening so well. I think people just thought I was depressed which I mean, I was, and I have now been diagnosed with moderate major depression, but like that wasn't the main thing that was the problem with me at that point. It was what turned out to be cancer. So after like the commencement ceremony and all that stuff, my parents basically like had, I don't know if you would call it like an intervention or a confrontation, but they basically just sat me down and they said, look, we're really concerned about you. Clearly something is not going on with your health and you know, we want to get to the bottom of this so that you can get better. And once I saw how serious they were about it and how scared they were, that's when I was like, oh, shoot, I need to get checked out, especially because my dad had actually had kidney cancer a month or two before this, and he got one of his kidneys removed because it had a massive tumor on it. So the whole cancer thing was like a big thing that was in my family's mind at the time. Like, I mean, we didn't think cancer right away, but I mean... Just, you know, medical emergency, like 
we don't want to lose anyone. And we had also lost my grandpa about a month before that as well from oh, just no. like old age related things. So <laughs> a lot of <laughs> just There's bam, so bam, much. bam, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. Life really kicked you guys in the pants. <laughs> it did. It knocked the wind out of us. It was quite something. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of curious as well, like the school kicked you out. Did you ever go back to them and go, hey, you you know how you kicked me out? (laughs) (laughs) I had cancer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, yeah, after like I got my diagnosis and everything and I had my first chemotherapy treatments, me and my parents had a Zoom call with my music therapy professor just to like, you know, talk about like options going forward for my degree. And she said, I'm thoroughly pissed with how they handled you in your internship. And I'm like, oh, you you know, it's bad when she brings out the words thoroughly pissed. She's like, I will write an email on your behalf to let them know what's going on. And she did it in a very like kind, professional way. When she was basically like, people came to me that they were concerned about her and she had cancer and all that stuff. And of course they were like, oh no, like we're so sorry. And to make up for it, they sent me a playlist of songs, which, and a card, (laughs) which I mean, I appreciate the sentiment, but that doesn't undo like the emotional trauma I went through in the internship. Like, you know, the least you could say is like, hey, you know, sorry for not taking one look at you and telling you like, hey, you should probably go to the ER. You don't look so good. But here's a mixtape. <laughs> yep, here's a mixtape. <laughs> oh, gosh. that's You know, it, it surprises me how many people that I've spoken to who have the similar story where there's lots going on and then bang, cancer. What I've really learned is there's actually not a limit of things that a family can go through, a person can go through. And, you know, May of 2021, we've had a year of the pandemic and then you're thrown into, yeah, like chemotherapy and cancer treatment and we all know what a ride that is. And I, yeah, I'm curious, like after you've been through that and just sort of coming out that other end, what was life like? like what was your experience of going through that whirlwind and coming out the other end? Oh, gosh. I mean, it was just everything went by so quickly, like from going to the ER, then being inpatient for nine days, and then doing my 11 other chemos in outpatient. Like, it just all seemed to fly by so fast. And in the moment, I felt like I wasn't able to fully process what was happening. So ever since then, because my last chemo was... November 1st so actually almost a year almost over a year ago like a year and two days ago was my last chemotherapy and then I had my last scan well my my first scan after the last treatment I had that mid-December and then I was declared in remission shortly after that thank goodness but yeah after that it's just been like a slow realization of wow this happened to me and society like wants me to move on and like pretend it never happened you know you're fine the scans are clear like you know go on live your life and I want to do that but there's so much mental stuff I wasn't able to unpack during the treatment just because it hadn't fully hit me yet and I feel like sometimes that mental stuff kind of keeps me back from you know fully being okay and 
I've had to come to terms with the fact that, you know, that's okay that I'm not going to be fully okay for however long. Like, my healing process from this cancer journey should not have a timeline, and especially not a timeline that's dictated by anyone who has not been through the same experience. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yep. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I so agree, and I'm really relating to what you're saying about... I don't think you can process it during because I think for a lot of us, and I can speak from my own personal experience with this, is that you're actually just in survival mode. And I, gosh, I saw this once a therapist explaining that, yeah, you can't, you can't process trauma or those big things when you're in it because our brain and body is protecting us from that thing and so it's once I guess the dust settles and maybe we feel safe again that those feelings come through and it's funny where I was apologizing to Michaela before because I it's very humid in Auckland as we're recording and I'd just taken my dogs for a walk so I'm shiny and sweaty um, but I had posted on my Instagram that I've been a little quiet recently and part of that was I stupidly took on board someone else's opinion of, yeah, how a cancer, someone who's had cancer should be over by now, essentially. And you're so right. Like, no, you, you actually don't have to be over anything. Yeah. Like, this is a hugely life-altering event for many people. And I feel like that rush from others is actually about them and it's not about us. It's about their discomfort with us not being the same or that kind of, oh, gosh, you're reminding me of, you know, my own mortality. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the reminding of your own mortality, like, especially when it's people who are, like, so young, you know, 20s, 30s. I feel like a lot of people still have a hard time grasping, like, whoa, you had cancer. Like, no, 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 cancer's like a thing that old people get or that, like, really young children get. Like, it's like, where's the room in the conversation for the people who are, you know, trying to get their lives started and then it's derailed by something that you didn't ask for? Oh, absolutely. And I know we've we've had a little chat about this before, and this is certainly something I've experienced. Yeah, so I was in my 30s when I went through cancer, and you have this thing where your peer group is going through, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, a normal, <laughs> their normal life process, normal life stages. And it's almost like you get frozen in time for a little bit, and you come out the other end, and it's almost like you can't relate to what that life is because it's just not your reality. So, I mean, what has your experience been with that? So, you know, you were at that point in your life where you are training for your potential future career and then, bang, no, you've got cancer and this is what you're going to be dealing with. Yeah, it's been crazy for me especially because, you know, that was the end of my degree plan. Like, that was my last step before, you know, I had my Bachelor of Music in hand and I would be on my way to working as a music therapist. But, I mean, combining the fact that I realized I didn't want to be a music therapist anymore, combined with the fact that I had cancer and couldn't go back to school for a little while, I thought, you know, what better time to you know, pick a new career path than now. So I didn't really think about it too much, like, in the very beginning of, like, when I was in the hospital and stuff. But, I mean, when I was inpatient, I had a really great experience with my nurses. And I'm sure, like, 
a lot of cancer patients, you know, would have, would be able to say the same thing. And I hope they do like nurses are basically there to like wait on your hand and foot, essentially like bring you food, you know, push the chemo into your body, all that fun stuff. And just, I, I was really lucky with the, with the nurses I got when I was inpatient. And then also when I was outpatient too, um, my hospital has some great, great outpatient nurses. A few of them, well, at least one of them, was also a young adult cancer survivor. So I was able to really relate to her on that, which was wonderful. Really loved that a lot. And just through like all this, I realized I've always been interested in healthcare. And that was one of my big motivations for going into music therapy. Because essentially, music therapy, like, is healthcare. It, sh- it should be like in the same realm as, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy. It tackles a lot of the same things that those types of therapies can tackle. And so I was always interested in music. I played piano since the age of six. I've sung in choirs since elementary school. I've taken piano lessons, voice lessons. I did music theater in high school. So I had this interest in the healthcare world, but I was also not wanting to let go of my love for music and performing. So when I found music therapy, I was like, well, this is perfect. Like, I have to do this. This combines both of my interests. But I also made that decision in high school, not considering the fact that sometimes hobbies are meant to be hobbies. And once you make a hobby that's like a safe place for you emotionally into a career that takes the fun out of the hobby. And that's eventually what ended up happening to me with music. And of course that doesn't happen with everyone who goes into music therapy. Like they can, you know, play music for the world basically. And they can still go back home at the end of the night and go retreat to music as their safe space too, after like a long day of just playing music. But for me, I just couldn't do that. So I realized well, now that I'm leaving the music part of the career behind, I'm just left with the healthcare part. I'm still very much interested in that, especially now that I've been through it. And I felt like it was a good sign for me to go into healthcare that I wasn't like, you know, completely scared off by actually being a patient. Because it is understandable that a lot of cancer survivors, you know, don't want to be anywhere near anything medical or hospital related once they're done with treatment. Because, you know, there's like medical trauma that can happen. But I was fortunate and privileged enough that I had a great experience that made me want to go back and do more of healthcare. Obviously, don't want to be on the patient side again if I can help it, but on the side where like I give care to people. So I thought about a few different jobs that are somewhat related to music therapy. I thought about being a child life specialist for a while. It dawned on me one day, you know, I could be a nurse and I was kind of shocked when that thought came into my mind because I was like, wasn't one of the reasons I didn't want to do something like nursing or being a doctor was because I thought I wasn't smart enough to do that. I was like, well, you know what? I'm kind of kicking cancer's butt right now. Like after four chemos, I got a midway PET scan and my cancer was like pretty much 95% gone. Like I'm kicking cancer's butt right now. Like I feel like I can do anything. Why not be a nurse? So I looked into what the quickest possible way for me to get a nursing degree would be with a bachelor's degree in music. And to finish off that um, degree, I would need to get 22 credit hours of classes that are non-music related. And so I was looking into nursing and to get into programs where 
there's accelerated nursing programs where you can join those if you already have a bachelor's degree. And they have like a whole list of prerequisites to take, like anatomy and physiology, microbiology, nutrition, human development, stuff like that. And I was looking for all of these prerequisites and I'm like, you know, I can probably knock these out as I do my last 22 credits of non-music classes to get my music degree. So that's what I did during my last stretch of chemo. I did self-paced classes for anatomy and physiology. I did one lecture class and I did two labs. I had literally all the time in the world when I wasn't doing (laughs) chemo. And like, I did have to deal with like tired effects from the meds I took because four, I believe it was four days after each chemo infusion, they gave me dexamethasone and olanzapine. Dexamethasone has like, lymphoma killing properties and then olanzapine counterfacts the dexamethasone keeping you awake so i was kind of zonked out a little bit on the olanzapine but other than that i was good with the classes and getting like all that done in my spare time and then i also signed up for a cna class that met on the weekend so i could get my cna license and be able to find a job in the healthcare field easily once I was done with chemo and once I gave my body a little bit of time to like reset immune system wise. So I did that on the weekends that took about three months and I passed my CNA exam. I passed the written the first time I had to retake the, I had to retake the skills because in true ADHD fashion, I misread one of the steps and that cost me the entire skills test because I did one thing wrong. I was like, I hear oh, you. <laughs> I can relate. Oh, yeah. But I got it the second time and I'll make sure to never make that mistake again. It was literally just putting on a compression sock. I just did that the wrong way. And then I took medical terminology. Medical terminology was so easy, you know, when like you get all these doctors and nurses throwing around all these medical words at you, like you pick up on what they're saying pretty quickly. I'm like, I don't know if anybody else does this, but for fun, I would go back through my, my chart notes and I would like read all like the nurse's notes about me and like the doctor report and the blood work results and like scan results. I'm like, that's a lot of words for saying I was really sick. Oh, I love it. It's hilarious. And it's it's quite heartening in a way because I know that healthcare across the world has been so overburdened by COVID and it's quite cool to hear a story of someone, like even after everything you've been through, to want to give back. So I think that's really cool. I don't want to say it's me feeling like I owe anything to the fact that, you know, healthcare saved my life essentially, but you know, I want to be able to be there for people like on their journeys, they get better. Like if they're in a situation that's worse than mine or just as bad as yeah. mine was, I just think it's an important thing. And the healthcare field really needs people who genuinely have that experience and are able to relate to their patients. Oh, gosh, absolutely. I, yeah, I totally agree. And I'm really curious as well, because I know like music therapy, obviously is using music in a therapeutic setting. And I so understand what you're saying about, you know, not everything has to be commercialized. Like it can just be your love. It can be your hobby. Yeah. So I'm really curious of what are some of the things that you've done that have actually helped as you have, I guess, processed and yeah, like after the treatment ended? Yeah, after the treatment ended, I think 
honestly, just getting a life back for myself and like doing things that were good for me as well. Because when I moved back to Portland and all the medical stuff was a whirlwind, you know, I didn't have really any time to make friends. Like it was just me and my parents and some people that I occasionally saw at church. But now like I've invested time in like making good friends, whether that's online. I'm in like discord communities and an Instagram group for young adult cancer survivors. And like, I have friends through work now too. So friends has been like a really big thing for me getting through this, especially the ones that like I'm able to trust to like tell my story and, you know, rant to them about all the different little cancer survivor things. Like I'll just say the most randomest thing in like our cancer survivor group chat. And I can actually be like, Oh, other people relate to me. Like, it's not just me who's going through X, Y, Z thing. Like I'm not crazy for this thing happening. So yeah, friends, friends have just been uh, a godsend. And then I would say the gym as well has been one thing that's been really good for my mental health, like just the routine component of it. Because I try to go four days a week. Currently, I work two 12-hour shifts a week, and I go on four, four of the days of the week where I don't work. And I've just made it part of my routine, and it's nice to be able you know, have that one thing to look forward to. Like, no matter if I have homework or, like, social events going on in my life, I know the gym's always going to be there and I can always like have a physical outlet to get my feelings out. It's very, it's very nice. It's very therapeutic, like pressing 200 pounds of weights and then thinking I'm going to like tangibly release this pain. I did that today. I like pressed 200 pounds for the first time. And I was like, yes, like I'm getting stronger. That is amazing because I know we are a podcast that people can't see, but Michaela is quite a petite person. <laughs> it's amazing. I've been told that's not that much. I, I've told friends before, like, oh, 200 pounds. And they're like, oh, I can do 350 pounds. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll get there eventually. Let me work up to it. I'll get there one day, oh. I promise. <laughs> okay, so for anyone who's listening who uses the metric system, that's 90 kilograms. So that is something to be proud of. That's that's like an adult man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I think that is amazing. I like <laughs> asking my my guests this, and I think it's probably quite a good place to sort of end on. But what does cancer survivorship mean to you? Cancer survivorship. That is a wonderful question. I think for me, cancer survivorship has really just meant, you know, I've been through this experience that I didn't ask for. How am I going to take what I went through this experience and turn it into something that's positive and beneficial to the world? And obviously, like, you know, we don't owe the world anything yeah, just because, like, we had cancer. But I still feel like it wouldn't do me any use to just you know, be permanently sad about what I went through. Like there's a time and place to be sad, but ultimately the goal is to, you know, process those sad feelings that I can move on to incrementally happier and happier places about what I went through. Sadness won't always go away. There will always be a space for that to be held, but the space for happiness can grow bigger, although the sadness and the grief remains. So 
just, yeah, survivorship just really means being at peace with the fact that this happened to me and trying to figure out how I can make the best of it while processing what happened to me. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. I think you summed that up really, really nicely. So, Michaela, thank you for joining me. It has been so cool to be able to connect with you and hear more about your story. And, yeah, just get a little bit of inspiration of ways that we can um, support ourselves as we try and recover from a cancer diagnosis. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's really, really great discussion, and I appreciate getting to share my story and hear a little bit more about you get to know you better so thank you so much thanks so much for listening this word is every Sunday at 11.55am on Auckland 104.6 Planet FM and anytime at www.planetaudio.org.nz forward slash the word